When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. England versus India. The Cricket Badger Test Match Daily Podcast. Can Joe Root's England dominate on home soil? Five mouth-watering test matches. Can Virat Kohli's India conquer the final frontier? Loving to talk test cricket every day. Welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. It is the England against India test match daily as we talk all things the series and today's action at Laws, the second day is complete and we saw England with a little bit of a fight back taking the last seven Indian wickets so I'm sure less than Virat Kohli would have hoped they would go for and then we've seen three English wickets fall as well. Joe Root though as always stays there and starts again tomorrow. I'm James Butler the Cricket Badger and I am joined today by uh, three other badgers a neutral badger in Nakul Pandey. We've got Neil Varani back who is our Indian supporter and uh, Mark Hilton, who is supporting the English as we go through this series. Nakul, it's your first time on our video thing, so hello to you. Um, how did you see today? Is, I mean, as I said, England will be happy with the way they responded with the ball, but won't be so happy with uh, losing the wickets that they lost. A curious day, really. It was. There were times when it didn't really feel like anything was going to happen, Um when the pitch appeared to be fairly slow, all the movement was fairly gentle and easy to play, and then suddenly it would just kick into life again. The, you know, the odd bit of uneven bounce. We saw the ball zipping around a little bit at slightly uh, sort of unpredictable uh, times. Um, and India, if you had said yesterday, put into bat made 364, you'd absolutely take it. But then having been 276 for three, Overnight, they'd think they were maybe they'd been, they'd have wanted four hundred, um, and given how the pitch was playing easier than than some, um, they they might have wanted or four hundred. But three hundred sixty four is a decent first innings 
um, score in England uh, these days. But the, the lower order wasn't able to add the runs that it did in the in the first Test match, uh, where they added uh, what nearly over a hundred for the for the last few wickets. In in, in this case, it was eighty eight for the last uh, seven wickets. Only Jadeja really keeping things in uh, in. Uh, Keeping not respectable exactly, but adding any impetus in the in the in the lower order, and then England batted pretty well up until T. That two wickets and two balls. Siraj then suddenly bowled brilliantly to uh, to Root, and then suddenly it looked really really easy for an hour. So it's a very curious day, but an interesting one. And the and the game is, I think, quite quite nicely poised at the end of day two. I think it certainly is. I don't, as I keep saying during this series, I don't think there's a huge amount between these two sides in English conditions. And England, uh, well, looked as if they were going to be making a bit better of a fist of it with the uh, the bat in hand. Neil, um, as you look back, we talked to you yesterday, uh, and at the time you were very happy with India's day one, quite rightly so. Um, maybe less so today in terms of how much they added for the last seven wickets. Rahul going very early, of course, and um, Jadeja kind of getting stuck with the tail. He, he kind of got caught betwixt between, didn't he? Whether to go all out attack and, and protect the tail. And as I said on Twitter earlier, I don't think I've ever seen anybody farming the strike and protecting the tail with seven wickets down. He went early in that strategy. Yeah, yeah. He he kind of had to, though, because, um, well, we saw with Mohammed Shami what happens if you don't. Uh, <laughs> those guys occasionally come off, but it's unlikely and against a high class attack. They're, they're, not an eight, they're, not an eight, they're not an eight, nine, 10, 11. They're more like a 11, 12, 13, 14, aren't they? That tail. I want to say Bumrah's uh, edging up towards a 10 and maybe Ishant's there already, but that's, that's about as high as they go. Um, yeah. I, I said yesterday that I wanted 400, 450 with the caveat that the first hour or the first session was going to be very difficult. In the end, it was the first 10 minutes um, where uh, yeah. both uh, KL and Rahane had gone, then Pant, Pant was Pant, um, and uh, Jadeja did what he does in playing sensibly and then playing with a bit more freedom later on. Um, but no one could really stay with him. I mean, Ishant did all right, and it was a marginal decision when he was out. He was never going to score runs. It was just whether he could stick around uh, long enough for Jadeja to do so. But I thought England were uh, were very good with the ball this morning, apart from Sam Curran, who I still think um, looks a bit off and didn't look the same level as everyone else. I thought Mark Wood uh, was very good and maybe he was a bit unlucky yesterday, but he got his rewards today. How do you see it, Mark, from an English perspective? Are you happy with today or, I mean, still room for improvement with the bat, obviously, but overall, I think it was possibly England's day? Yeah, I think if you'd have, you know, you'd have taken out the beginning of the day when India were 270-odd for free, um, if you'd have said to them at the end that you're going to be, you know, 200-odd behind or whatever, at the end of the day, they'd have been very happy. I thought, as Neil said, I thought England bowled very well this morning, actually. I thought Anderson... No, he's so good. I mean, he just never, you just never get a free ball from him. He's always asking questions of the batsman. And in those conditions, I mean, you know, just the, it's just so difficult to play him when, he, when he's on that, when he's on it. Um, I thought Wood bowled a lot better today. I'm, I'm pleased he's in the side because it is a bit of a point of difference. Um, I think he got more of a rhythm today. 
Um, I thought Ali did okay as well. So I thought England bowled really well, actually, to to dismiss uh, India for that score. I mean, I didn't think they batted particularly badly, to be honest with you, apart from obviously the lost Sibley and Hamid. We might talk about him later on. But Well, I, I was thinking, because um, I was on commentary today, and I, I, I said on commentary that the hour before tea was very problematic, potentially, wasn't it, with the way England have batted recently. But they steered themselves through that hour. I mean, it wasn't particularly pretty, but they steered themselves through that hour. And I said as we came back on after commentary after tea, well, none of that counts for anything if you're out immediately after tea. Yeah. And what does Sibley do? He gets out. He's almost like a carbon copy of how he got out at Trembridge, wasn't it? You know, and the, the, the funny thing about him was he looked better in that innings the hour before tea. You know, he's playing far straighter, I thought, and looking far more to put the ball through the offside. It just looks as though he'd learned, he'd, he'd been learning, you know, he'd done something to his technique and he was trying. And then suddenly after tea, bang, you know, the same thing again. And out he goes. And it's just an aberration. But the hour before tea, he did actually look a little bit better. To, you know, fair play to him. I've been critical of him, but he did look a lot better. Um, Hamid, we might talk about him later on. It was just a shame he got out first ball. Um, but then Roots and Burns, I thought they batted sensibly and obviously Burns got out just before the end there. Um, so, but I think overall England will be pleased with the day. Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. Let's talk about Hasib Hamid Nakul. Um, I was really willing him to do well today because I like, I like him as a cricketer and as a person. Um, he's been through the meal. He's shown a lot of determination to get back to where he is. Obviously, moved uh, counties to go to, Lan- uh, to from Lancashire to Nottinghamshire, and he just was nervous, wasn't he? He came in there. It was a big, big moment for him. And Mohammed Siraj basically decided to bowl a very straight ball first up that was going to take his stumps if he was not on it, and he and he played down the wrong line. He'll be kicking himself tonight because it wasn't a terrific ball. He just, I think, the, the nerves got him. He didn't really go forward or, or back to it. He kind of just put the bat in the vague way at all and hoped he would and hoped he would make make contact. It's the you know, we've seen plenty of batters do things like that. First of all, your feet aren't moving, you don't get in line with it yeah. properly, you don't get your head in line um with it. But everyone builds the narrative around it, you know, four years and eight months away, broken hand, loss of form, being publicly caught up by his director of cricket. Um um, coming back to form with Nottinghamshire, batting well this year, the runs against the county sele- in, for the county select eleven against this India attack, and then he comes out and um, I think it's the kind of it's the kind of ball that I don't think invites nearly as much comment if it's bowled to another person, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, yeah, that um, no, does. Um, and you know, well, I'm very hesitant to make any judgments after one ball of anyone. 
I'll, t- um, I'll tell you something, Knuckle. I, I played at Headingley once. We had a, when I was um, the media manager at Headingley, we had a staff against uh, Media Day uh, and we played a one day game. And because I am a cricket badger and because I knew the significance of Headingley, I was desperate to get runs that day. And when I walked out to the middle, I could hardly feel my legs because I was really nervous. I was really hyped up for it and I wanted to get off the mark. And I, thankfully, I, I think I put my second ball through cover for two. And, and got off the mark. I was out shortly afterwards, but at least I scored some runs at Headingley. But I can understand how, if you are nervous, whatever level walking out there, your um, your I movements any, your movements are compromised. I think any batter who tells you that they're not nervous facing their first ball is a liar. Um, I heard Kevin Peterson talking the other day, saying that he was nervous, and his his swagger coming out to the crease was him trying to. Uh, kind of project an air of confidence, yeah. kind of faking it till you make it. Well, Viv, Viv Richards famously did that, didn't he? he that that swagger, that chain around the neck, the chewing of the gum, and the, as he walked out to the middle, he's famously now since said that it was all part of the show. It was part of the show to make impose himself on the opposition. Yeah. And it's to get him going. I heard um, that in the interview that Rohit Sharma and Dinesh Karthik did, Rohit Sharma talked about one of his very first net sessions with the Mumbai Ranji Trophy team. He was being talked about as a big name in in sort of domestic cricket below uh, or kind of district level cricket. He had basically all of these experienced players, Wasim Jafar, Amol Muzumdar, two of the highest run scorers in Ranji Trophy history. In fact, I think the two highest run scorers in Ranji Trophy history behind him watching him. And he said that he couldn't move his feet yeah. for 20 minutes. Um, you know, that's what playing at the top level of any sport is, is, is getting over those, uh, those psychological pressures. And he didn't for that one ball, you know, on another day, he could easily have just blocked it off the inside edge into the leg side and then squirted a single away. He's been in, very, he's been in decent form this year, not very good form, decent form this year. Got runs against that County 11. Zach Crawley was doing so badly that someone had to be coming in. The call had to be made at some point. And we'll see how he goes in the, in, in the second innings. I, I don't want to make a federal case out of it in, in of one ball. I don't, I don't think that's what I was, I was suggesting, <laughs> to be honest. Um, the, Neil, um, we've, we've all had moments. I mean, everybody's different as well, aren't they? Um, some people will take to things um, and have an air of confidence about them, whether, whether it's true, like Knuckles says or not, it, they will look confident. I felt James Bracey earlier on in the summer, he, he took a while to get used to it, and he knew he probably only got two matches to actually make it count as well. Um, Poor old Tassib there has been obviously thinking about maybe potentially getting back into the England side for, for five years. Um, there was that really nicely framed shot of him waiting in the in the dressing room with the the arch of the of the dressing room window around him. Um, he just basically needs to believe in himself now, doesn't he? And have the right people around him to just pick him up tonight. And he's proved he can score runs against India this season and and to just kind of almost forget it really. Yeah, I think when he first came through, he had that fearlessness of youth. But he's now seen how things can go wrong. But, you know, anyone who gets up on a stage to perform right at the start is going to feel those nerves. And I, I get up to do karaoke in the pub and oh I lose my voice five what's seconds you, what's before. Your, what's we your get... song, Neil? What's your song? Um, Pour Some Sugar On Me by White Snake. Go on then, give us a bar. Oh God! No, sorry, not White White Snake. Def Leppard or Here I Go Again by White Snake, and I'm not doing it now. My voice will go; uh, it will crack up, and I'll you, sound like you, a thirteen-year-old. You coward, Verani! Go on, then. carry on <laughs> talking about cricket. 
Um, yeah, first ball. Yeah, it, it takes a while to um, to get going. You've got the nerves to begin with. You don't know until you're actually out there how the pitch is playing, how the ball's coming off, um, if it's there's any sideways movement. As much as you can see it um, from the balcony until you actually face it, it's a little bit of a lottery right at the start of your innings. I've got a lot more problems with Sibley having done the hard work to get himself in uh, than giving it away um, afterwards. And I, th- I think with Sibley, the problem with him having so uh, such a limited range of scoring options is that the opposition captain can block them off quite easily. And then you literally do get left with nowhere to go. And that was pretty much... Um, uh, what happened to him? They oh, the now cur- know. That- the curious thing is, though, Mark's right. He punched a couple really nicely off the back foot through the offside, which I've not really seen him play very often. I've been talking when I've been commentating on Sibley about he doesn't need to change his game in the sense of, you know, having a different approach or a mindset or whatever. It's just a little bit of adjustment to be able to push ones and twos around off decent deliveries, just find another get-out shot. And he looked to have done that. He was pretty confident and comfortable. That's, that, really. that's what Joe Root does so well, isn't it? I mean, that's what I always impresses me about Joe Root. He plays beautiful cover drives. And he plays some nice shots as well. But what he's so good at is just dropping the ball on the offside, dropping the ball on the leg side and scampering up the other end and, and rotating the strike. Yeah, it's not as easy as Joe Root and Steve Smith and Kane Williamson and Virat Kohli make it look. Well, they are um, quite good, aren't they? Well, the thing, I mean, we, um, I think one simply opening the batting in test cricket is hard and simply makes it look hard, um, which is unfortunate. It's just about his aesthetics in, in, in that sense. But, and then it was, it's not just the fact that he got out in the same way. It's that it's such a strange way of getting out. It's not even that he clipped it pleasantly like, off the front foot, trying to power it through the, through the mid wicket region. It was a, a shot that he and most batters would look to work behind square, but he somehow always manages to be early on and, sort of shoveled it, spooned it in there to, to KL Rahul, you know, the same fielder in the same position. Uh, and it, it is not the first time this has happened. It's a very mm. odd recurring weakness. Uh, it's not like he's, you know, getting caught at second slip all the time or and it's that, it's LBW that all the time. It seem, it's one of those that will attract more criticism because it seems so avoidable. Yeah, it, and it's, it's, it's that it's thing. You make, you make a mistake once, fair enough. But if you keep repeating that mistake then you've got a problem, haven't you? And Mark, I'm going to make you the chairman of England selectors. And you are, at the moment, you've been, after day two, I know it's unfair, but you're at being tasked with picking the England 11 for the third test match. Is Sibley in it? No. Um, Sibley's, well, I've said that on the previous podcast anyway, regardless of whether he gets runs in the second innings, he simply hasn't got the class to open the batting long term for England. Uh, interesting. Who, who, who comes in there? I mean, I've seen people discussing it today, suggesting, I mean, Hasip Hamid is an opener. He's not yeah, used to, I mean, that's that's one of the small things that people I don't think get sometimes is that Hasip Hamid isn't used to sitting there for an hour waiting to go into bat. He's used to coming off the field, putting his pads on and walking out as an opener. So that'll be quite alien for Hasib today to oh, wait that hour. So do, you, do we move Hasib up to open with Rory Burns and who goes in at number three? Yes, I mean, Hasib... I watched Hamid all, all his uh, life at Lancashire, went, obviously. Um, he, he, but he's an opener. He should be opening the batting. Today, as Knackle said, he got bowled first ball. It's a difficult situation for him. He's nervous, this, that, and the other. As I said on the podcast the other night about Hamid, um, it's a it's an indication of where England are as much as anything else, that they are picking him at, at this point in time. 
Um, you know, there shouldn't be too much expectation on him. If we had a raft of batters in first-class cricket, he would get him runs. He wouldn't pick him at this stage of his career. He had an horrendous three years at Lancashire. Um, you know, quite often he got bowled as he did today in that run after in that three years. So it brought back very difficult memories for me because as a player and as a person, he's a really nice guy and I really want him to succeed. But no foot movement again. Um, I mean, it's a movie I'd seen before a lot of times. So I didn't like it when I saw, but England have to persevere with him because the boy's got talent. But as I said the other night, it's an indication of where England are, that they're parachuting him in now, uh, rather than because they haven't really got a huge amount of options. But yes, he must open the batting because he's an opening batter. And yes, they have to give him the rest of the series and back him, um, you know, and see what happens. Um, I just hope that he does get some runs because I don't want his confidence destroying again. I mean, I know he's... Well, we, we know what social media's like, don't we? You know, if he gets out for naught a second time around, he gets a pair, you know, I, I even got comments today, you know, well, Crawley can do what he did today. Um, so what? What's why is the change? I mean, you've got to understand year, that... This year for me with Hamid is, you know, he went through three years of a very difficult situation. He was averaging nine at the end of life, at the end of his career. Like, he looked like a shell of a man, not just mm-hmm. a little batter. He's gone to knots. Yes, he's got some runs. But as I stressed the other night, his two championship centuries this year came against Worcestershire on a flat wicket at Worcester against the second division attack. We shouldn't be making too many judgments about how much he's redeveloped his game or refound his form or his technique. He's still a young man and he's being thrown into the England side. The Hashi even being what I saw in 2016, fantastic player, 17, mm. 18, and particularly 19, it was a car crash. And I'm pleased for him he's now redeveloping his career. What I don't want is him to be put through the mill in this series. Five games, a run of low scores, out he goes again, questioning himself. Those scars are opened up from those three years where he was struggling. But those scars will still be there. I don't care what anybody says. He will, they will be there. He will constantly question himself anymore, forevermore. And I'm not sure if he'll ever come back again if he fails in this series. Jacob and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. Michael, we're moving um, Hasib up to open then. We're taking rid- getting rid of Dom Sibley. Who comes in at number three for England? The million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, people were talking about Johnny Bairstow before the start of the series. I mean, Bairstow's got to stay at five, surely. I don't really see the, the benefit of moving him to three, given that he's trying to re-establish himself at five. I genuinely don't know who comes in at number three. I'll, I'll throw a name at you. David Milan. That is an option. Milan is an option for, and again, he was talked about certainly a couple of months ago for, for that number three uh, three slot. I mean, he's one big championship hundred this season, but not a lot else. Mark Seething. Mark Seething. Uh, there are, I mean, the, the players who are doing well in the county championship this year who are being talked about. But again, you know, the county championship runs count for a lot. And, you know, playing against the moving ball is not easy. But you don't face a lot of high pace. Um, seeing the stats that 1% of deliveries in the county championship are bowled at 88 miles an hour and above compared to 17% in test cricket. It is a different challenge. The fact that there hasn't been because of COVID a Lions tour for 18 months means that they haven't had that extra exposure. So you're either going back to someone like 
Sam Robson, who has played Test cricket before and has done okay this year and okay last year, or you're going to someone who is untried at the higher level, someone like Jake Libby, or someone like Tom Abel uh, at the top of the uh, at the top of the order. I, I um, like to, I like Tom Abel a lot, but I understand he's got a bit of an injury at the moment, so he wouldn't yeah. be able to come in. Right. Yeah. I mean, there is a bit of a gap before the third test, but not much mm. of one. I mean, I would be. I would be st- sticking with Sibley, but having a real serious word about where he's trying to play that ball off his hips. Um, You're going to sit him down and say, you've been a very naughty boy. You need to do better. Just Mark, I, Mark, I just want to get what, what I want to know why Mark is frowning about David Milan. I'm not frowning about David Milan, but it's just like we're scrambling in the dark, aren't we? Saying, well, who's going to come in? Well, David Milan's played a first class game. He's got 199. It just shows where English cricket is. And that shows why. Hamid is back in the side. And we- Don't you think, though, Mark, that David Milan, after that, there's something to be said for going back to somebody that's been there before. He might not have necessarily got the amount of runs that kept him in the side the first time around, but he's had experience going to Australia, which is obviously just around the corner. He, he knows what's expected of him at Test match level. Part of the reason he moved to Yorkshire was because he wanted to get more first class games and, and really work on it on his batting in first class cricket. He might be. He's a bit older. He might be more ready this time. Yeah, it might be. And I'm not saying don't pick him, but it just shows you where we are. They're saying, right, let's go back to David Milan. Who else is the Jack Libby? I mean, he, it's just it's just like picking things out of balls out of a hat all the time. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't pick David Milan because actually, I know he's, he's got a reputation in T20, but he can actually bat time. He's a very patient batter in first-class cricket. And he has uh, actually got the- good technique. The perception is that the, his game is more suited to harder, faster, bouncier wickets than it is yeah. uh, to the ball nibbling around off stump. And I think you can, I think the, the sort of the the advanced data on the kind of shots he plays and and kind of his average against different types of deliveries does seem to to, to bear that out. I mean, I do slightly worry about England uh, picking picking a number three for the Ashes um, uh, and then throwing them into this series. Um, you know, there's a series to play here in different conditions. Well, no, but if you if you, if you if you're imagining. You- picking the next best number three. You're picking him now, surely, aren't you? With the Ashes obviously coming next. I'm not saying you're picking the Ashes person just to kind of coast through this series, Knuckle. And Neil? Yep. Uh, I I think there are there are two options out there. Three... If oh, you, I'm, I'm in... saying that. I want, I want you to talk about Mohamed Siraj. I'm telling you to shut up. As, as <laughs> Hasib Hamid has not said a word, bless him. And Mohamed Siraj is telling him to, to F off and do one and be quiet. I, I wonder if it's directed at uh, at him or uh, or at the crowd because um, he he has had uh, an interesting time of it with the crowd. Um, on on the number three, um, I did say the other day, whoever played better out of Duckett and Vince, um, and Vince went and scored a twenty ball fifty, and I think he got a double century in the county game earlier this season. Um, he might he might and- be playing for Pakistan though, Neil. <laughs> That's very true, and uh, getting outdone by Fawad Alam uh, currently. But um, I mean, actually, James, James Vince is an interesting one because James Vince, if you look at his career, every time he's taken a step up, it's taking him he, taking him a while to find his feet. He's not taken to it like a duck to water, like some people do. He's had to work it out, and I don't think England necessarily gave him the chance to properly work out Test cricket before they binned him last time. There's no doubt he's a good player. No, absolutely. So I think he's one option. The other um, that I seriously think about is Bairstow. Um, I know he's in at five at the moment, but let's be fair. When everyone's fit and well, 
that number five spot goes to Ben Stokes. So as soon as Ben uh, feels within himself and his hand is uh, sorted out, then Johnny's going to get moved again. There is a wide open space at number three but John, at the Johnny's, moment. Johnny's like, he's like he's on a carousel in this England test team. He, he kind of comes out, he goes around, he bats at different positions, and he goes back behind the curtain again and comes around again, doesn't he? He's, he's never resettled. He's, well, only had success at, he's only had success at three in Sri Lanka when the, the conditions are very, very different. We know how good a player of spin he is. I mean, I suppose, you know, Dan Lawrence has batted three a little bit for England, but not very much. Um, I don't think he did awfully at Trent Bridge. He sort of got dropped because they, you know, because they wanted an extra um, spinning all rounder in in, in Moen Ali. I suppose that, that Dan Lawrence is the as well. Dan Lawrence is the second highest scorer in England shirt this this calendar can I, year. Can I drop a name in out the um, out the yep. Because I know you've got an, an obsession with James Vince, uh, James. <laughs> James, you're in the you're the James Vince fan club kind of uh, patron or whatever, but. Uh, I'll drop a I'll drop a name in out the ether. He's a Lancashire player. Um, I think he can play Test cricket because he's got a great all-round game. He hasn't got loads of centuries, but he's got a lot of runs over the last couple of years. Alex Davis. I thought you were going to say Josh Bahannon there for a second. Yeah. I, I, I thought, thought you were going to say Liam Livingston. No, oh, not Liam Livingston. No, Alex Davis can play off the back foot, front foot. Got shots all around the wicket. He's got a good good technique, good defence. Um, you know, he hasn't made huge, huge hundreds, but he's got a very consistent record. I think he is somebody who has the ability to play international cricket. And we, you, you made a point, Mark, that we're kind of just all picking names out of the hat. I mean, that's part of the reason I would actually stick with with Sibley, if only because there isn't a giant gaping or, that, or giant flashing think... standout pick-me option. The do you, do you think, though, Michael, when, I mean, a lot of people say, well, who is there? to come in but what we have proved are it, there are some candidates out there who possibly deserve a chance because Dom Sibley's not exactly taking this opportunity with both hands at the moment is he no he's doing sort of half a job for England at the top of the order he's got one finger wrapped around it rather than both hands yeah yeah I say he's doing half a job uh for, for England at the top of the order he's doing the seeing off the new ball bit but then not going on beyond that and given how much the ball moves with the old ball that is of well it is of some value, but only some um, value. There's a very good article on the, on the cricket pod uh, by Jack Hope, who runs the cricket podcast about uh, about Sibley and his potential value. Um, but that that he can't keep getting caught at square mid wicket every every innings. Um, but the the county championship has been a very strange place the last couple of years. County championship runs do count for something. Otherwise, Rory Rory Burns and Dom Sibley wouldn't be in this team. Uh, because that's how they got into this team. You know, they were the standout openers in in English in mm. English cricket um, over over a couple of years. Ollie Robinson, that's how he got into this team. But they all got Lions tours. They all got a chance against the best of the rest from other countries and in different conditions against spin in uh, the West Indies on very turning tracks, against fast bowling, against uh, India A, and against. Uh, Australia, well, eh? As, as Tom the, Harrison the selectors, said, the selectors, as Tom Harrison said yesterday in his Sky um, interview, COVID is responsible for everything that's gone wrong in cricket. In, in, and on, in that instance, he's right, isn't he? Because COVID has restricted world travel and has restricted the ability to go and play elsewhere. Even India, who have a very active India A program, haven't had a Lions tour because they haven't been able to for travel and money reasons. Um, it basically means it's not saying that county championship runs don't count for anything because, of course, they do. But you're not, as a selector, you simply don't have the data to, to, to make a confident prediction about who's going to handle the step up 
Um, you don't have as much data as you want. So you're taking, if you are replacing Sibley, that's fine, but you are taking a punt and be aware of that. You are listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. I want to finish on something completely different today. Um, a lot of chat on social media today about the Yorkshire investigation into institutional racism. Um, Azim Rafiq po- quote, um, posted earlier on today, George Bell's been heavily involved in kind of publicising uh, or the, the lack of activity. Azim came on the Cricket Badger podcast last August, which is uh, about a year ago, um, to talk about his, his, his struggles. Wisdom obviously did their piece as well in advance of that. And it wasn't until George took it on um, and got it to more people with with Crookie Info that Yorkshire actually took it seriously and actually made any comment at all. But 344 days ago, they actually announced they were going to do an investigation into Azim's claims and to look at institutional racism. And that is a long time. They, they As I understand it, the report has been finished by the, the investigators. It is sat at Headingley uh, and it has not been unveiled announced published whatever whatever that would that would be and it comes to something where i who am a passionate yorkshire supporter i've worked at the club i've supported them and i want them to do well and this is my motivation really i want them to be great on the pitch and i want them to be great off it at the moment they are not great off it this investigation needs to be published and if it's not ECB needs to step up and do something here because the ECB are, are banging the drum. They're wearing T-shirts with inclusivity on it. Um, we've seen Sky do what they've done in terms of Black Lives Matter and Ebony and Michael Holding. But people st- need to stop talking the talk and start walking the walk with this subject because it's important. And you can't just brush this under the carpet and and hope it goes away, Yorkshire County Cricket Club. I'm actually quite ashamed to have associations with Yorkshire at the moment because they are not acting in the right way. Neil, you did a, a tweet this morning that got a bit of traction, sort of saying, "When when is this going to actually sort it, sort itself out? When are they? When is it actually going to end? Are they going to be allowed to get away with this? They're not going to be allowed to get away with this because ultimately this report has to be published at some stage. But cricket needs to look like it's taking this seriously, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's getting beyond ridiculous uh, to the stage where it. It's almost like they're waiting for something else to blow up so they can quietly release it and hope it gets lost in uh, in another um, major story breaking. But no, no one's taking ownership of it. The ECB um, have a a duty to oversee crickets across the country. Um, they're not directly involved with Yorkshire, but they represent cricket fans across the country. And it seems ironic that they're talking so vividly and so loudly about finding new audiences, especially reaching out to the Afro-Caribbean and British Asian audiences um, with the 100. And they can't see that um, this sort of thing is driving those communities uh, away from cricket because they see how players who look like them get treated. Um, There's a a difference now between wearing a T-shirt and and, and saying some slogans and actually acting like you mean it, isn't there? And apparently within their own discrimination code, um, there is a commitment to ensure that any uh, investigation 
is both independent and timely. And they should be expecting the same from the counties. I saw the, I didn't hear the interview, but I saw the transcripts um, of an interview that um, Alton Mitchell did with Ian Watmore. I, I, I listened to that on the Stump podcast, yeah. Yeah, he basically said, yeah, not our issue. It's all to do with Yorkshire. I, 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 I'll just jump in to defend him a little bit on that because I, I don't know if Ali gave him advance notice of that question. It might have been just kind of like lumped on him. And in that sort of situation, I can understand him saying, I don't want to actually talk about that specific case because he might yeah, not yeah. have. I mean, he should know about it. But um, I wondered whether he was just buying a bit of time. I would hope that he would, off the back of that interview, if if he is as good as I, I've heard that he is, he goes away from that knuckle and actually investigates it a bit more and takes, some, takes it a bit more seriously. Well, when it's inconceivable that he doesn't know about it and that, it isn't, that there isn't some ECB involvement, it's just inconceivable after 352 days as of uh, as of today, as Azim Rafiq tweeted today. Uh, it's 352 the... days since he did the initial interview. It's 344 since the investigation began. Right, okay. At least three hundred too many. Um, yeah, two hundred and fifty maybe. If we're being a bit, little bit, little bit generous. I mean, the, there's two things there. One that sounded to me like Ian Watmore was saying, "I can't comment legally at this stage." Um, you have to ask the question because you're a journalist and you're a good journalist, but uh, I can't answer that at this stage. So I had, you know, there I heard rumours of all sorts. I don't know how substantiated they are that the ECB are very well aware of this and are waiting for the fudge to come out because the the report coming out won't actually the fear at this stage and the fear from the start was that the investigation itself or certainly the report would be a fudge would be a would be um heavily diluted that its recommendations wouldn't be taken seriously however uh, strong they were and that this was all done essentially so what yorkshire could walk the walk, oh, sorry, talk the talk without walking the walk. You know, we, we they say, oh, we've done this investigation and it's independent and it's got these people on it, but nothing's going. If nothing happens with that, and you've you have all you have achieved is further eroding the faith that uh, that your own uh, players and your own fan base and the the wider cricket community have in you. Um, you you've achieved nothing, and you've made Azim Rafiq be incredibly vulnerable uh, just to get the slightest amount of non-progress. Um, I mean, I, I, I've talked to Azim regularly over the, over the years since I interviewed him, talked to him multiple times a week. And the lad's gone through hell about this. He, he think, you know, 344 days since the investigation started, he's thought about that pretty much every hour, every minute, since that 344 yeah, days started, yeah, it's causing problems mentally for him. It's causing, obviously, it affects his wife, it affects his kids, it affects everybody. He's living with that every day. And the report is going into stuff that he's been dealing with for over a decade. Stuff that has been happening to him by people who were meant to be looking out for him uh, for a decade. There, we understand, you know, we don't know at this stage what the report says, but we have, an, we have some idea of what it doesn't say. We understand that key witnesses were not talked to. Uh, we understand that um, uh, it hasn't been as independent as we were all promised. As far as it, you could almost, uh, certainly the suspicion was that, let's say, any investigation, any report, as often happens, you know, in government reports or in, uh, remember the BCCI have had some independent reports into them, that those recommendations are left up to the, the investigated party. Um, 
the you're in danger of the entire thing looking like a sham. And I, and I think that that would be doing a huge disservice to the work that the ECB are genuinely trying to do and the research that is genuinely being looked at and the work that uh, is genuinely being done by the ACE program, by the Dynamos program, by All Stars, by some of the initiatives going into the 100, the South Asian Action Program. Uh, is, is, is it time though, Knuckle, for the ECB to maybe be a little bit more visible and for, for Mr. Watmore to actually you know, say, I am actually going to do something here and we, we need to chivy Yorkshire up with this because it's, this is just going on too long. I would hope that that is happening behind the scenes and has been for some time. Um, I, you know, can, without knowing the legal position and whatever, I can understand him not wanting to, you know, jeopardize the case in public. Um, but I think the, the chivying up stage has long since been, been reached. My, my worry is that the report will come out and then Yorkshire will pretend that that's their entire duty of care um, ob- observed when in fact it's, uh, I think it's an insult really to, to suggest that that's the case. Any views on it, Mark, from, from your perspective? I mean, Lancashire fan, you, you never usually need any excuse to give Yorkshire a kicking. But, I mean, this this basically isn't about one county, really. It's about one county, but it's about a big subject that covers cricket. Yeah, I think it's been highlighted um, in Yorkshire and by Rafiq um, in that particular county. But I've no doubt that institutionalised racism is, uh, racism is not in de- it's not just part of being one county. It's probably endemic in most counties, I would imagine. I, I I have picked up on a lot of stories over the last year since I interviewed Michael Carberry and Azim last year. Um, I've I've picked up on a lot of stories. A coach at one county, um, basically spiking the drink of a of a Muslim player. Things that go on and are just seen as a joke in a dressing room that aren't funny. And I mean, I will. I'll be I'll be blunt with you. It's not just in county cricket. I mean, I you know league cricket in the north. Uh, my experience has got lots of issues in terms of that. Well, we heard one of those, a club chairman in South Yorkshire, saying some appalling things about well, I will just give you South Asian players. Appalling example that clubs are reluctant to um, to employ packies as pros because they don't put anything behind the bar, for example. Yeah, um, on the sense that they don't drink and so forth. Yeah, uh, but they won't employ, etc., etc. That's that's pretty much. You get those comments quite a lot in different clubs. I'm not saying it's in all clubs, but it's there. It's there. It's been there for years, donkey's years. It's, it's, it's naive, I think, for people to say... Because I, I, when I interviewed Michael Carberry and I interviewed Azim last year, I got a little bit more vocal on the subject. And I should have been vocal for years, but I haven't been. Um, but people came to me on Twitter and said, well, it's not in cricket. What are you talking about? You, you know, one, one, one instance here or one instance there doesn't say that racism in cricket. Racism is, is in society. It's and society. Cr- it's cricket society. is part of society. So it's naive completely to suggest that racism doesn't infiltrate into cricket. It's just a stupid it's thing to say. An, and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's more kind of subtle these days. In sector. So, for example, in league cricket, West, in- West Indian cricket, are always looked on far more fondly because they, you know, are seen as part of more of the group, the cultural in-group. You know, so it's not quite as um, dramatic with West Indian cricketers in league cricket at times. Um, although I know the unfortunate incident in New York, she was about a, a West Indian cricketer, I think. I think just generally just developing that point about inclusivity. I mean, you know, I could have gone to Lords this week and it was going to cost me like £400 for three days a test match. 
I mean, how is that? How are the ECB addressing those issues about getting people from different communities and different backgrounds into the, you know, the kind of home of cricket when they're charging? You know, I can I could afford it if I wanted to, a middle class man, but I wasn't going to pay it. When they're charging those prices just for one person, how can you take a family to watch a day's test cricket at Lords? You see, you know, unless you're earning a huge amount of money. And then when you look around Lords, I know there are a few Indian fans there today. All I could mainly see was middle-aged men drinking and and moneyed moneyed individuals, you know, having a good time. There's no change in the social demographic in terms of the crowd at Lords, from what I can see. So I think the ECB also, regardless of what they're doing with Chance to Shine, all these different initiatives, which are very worthy, they need to be doing a lot more practical things to actually get people into grounds. It's got to, it's got to change, and this—I mean—it's got to start changing with this Yorkshire investigation. Three hundred forty-four days since they announced that this investigation into allegations of about um, institutional racism. Three hundred and forty-four days—that is a long, long time. It's enough to get this sorted out and get it published, and it needs to be published soon because it needs—it needs to be put to bed so we can move on from it as a Yorkshire County Cricket Club, so Azim can move on with his life, and so that we can make some proper tangible change. Tangible change if required by the investigation to actually get racism as a blight out of Yorkshire cricket. I just heard a an interview with Ferdus uh, Munda on the great cricketer, I think, talking about South Africa, where on the back of Lungi and Gidi's comments uh, during BLM, they're having a government uh, investigation with open interviews for anyone who's been affected by um by racism in south african cricket um and we're hearing some horrendous stories but there is that open forum which is bringing these to the fore and it's almost like an amnesty isn't it it's kind of like you know bring your knife in and you're not going to be held responsible you know come and get this off your chest tell us your experiences and it's not going to be held against you and i think that's a healthy healthy way to go i mean i I went out to south africa in 2012 um, and there's been kind of like a political kind of beastie and obviously been very aware of Nelson Mandela and the apartheid regime. And I went out to uh, see N- Nelson's cell and and, and watch. And I, I was quite shocked at the time about how much racism there still was in South Africa. I probably shouldn't have been because there's going to be hangovers and people taking on the same attitudes post-apartheid as were still there before it. But it's a country that has, has to move, move on and will probably take a few generations to actually get to an acceptable level yeah. that's the right 30 phrase. years doesn't undo 150 no. um no. And i think it i think it's i do think it, it i think it's almost naive to think that that yorkshire will change significantly off the back of this report to be honest judging from everything we know i mean george de bell wrote an article almost immediately about uh about um the lack of independence of the investigating body of the legal of the solicitor's firm that was handling it and their links to a senior figure at Yorkshire. I mean, this is... Um, well, is it, the chairman used to work for the, the legal company that was appointed. And he, he was a it kind of smacks of... Uh, I mean, anybody that's ever watched Yes Prime Minister or Yes Minister, whenever there was an independent inquiry, it was always, oh, let's let's get to lead it. Let's get that guy that's our friend who wants a knighthood or something like that. It's kind of smacks of that, doesn't it? It's kind of de- dealings behind the scenes. I don't know if that is the case. Um, that's just an allegation. But it does kind of... It leaves a club open to that suggestion that it's not maybe as independent as it should be. We're going to have to finish because we've been on for 45 minutes and we could stay on for about three hours to talk about this because it's a, it's a massive subject and it probably deserves more time. 
But very quickly, India 364, England 119 for three. The lead is 245. Neil, the result of the second test at Lords, what's it going to be? Uh, India. For England, it's root or bust, I still think. Mark? I'm going to go for the draw. You always look like a coconut. Well, you frame yourself. You look like a coconut sitting on a, in a shy. I'm going to kind of throw something at you and see if I can knock, <laughs> knock you off. Knuckle, the result of this second test. I think India will into a win. I think we're already starting to see a little bit of an uneven bounce. The ball is starting to do a little bit. Um, England will need to get to parity or 50, 60 runs ahead probably to uh, to put maybe even more to put India under significant pressure. And I don't know if they can do that quickly enough. Um, I think there are more obvious paths to victory, um, quite apart from the relative skill of the two teams, um, um, which is a different conversation. But I think there are more paths to victory from India from here. The weather's set fair for the rest of the test match. Um, and, and I think India will will go into Headingley 1-0 ahead. I went for the draw when we finished yesterday. I'm going to stick to it, but with a lot less confidence maybe than I had yesterday because the game's moved on quite at quite a pace today at second test at Lords. Um, we will be back tomorrow to talk about day three, whatever that has in store for us from the home of cricket, England against India. A terrific series continuing tomorrow into day three and uh, joined by a new panel talking about, I don't know if any of you guys are on tomorrow. Are you on Knuckle? Yes, I am. You are. You're back tomorrow and uh, two other people sitting in the frame underneath you, I think, tomorrow as we talk about day three. So uh, be good to see you then. This is uh, James the Cricket Badget signing off to date, but join us tomorrow to talk more about the England against India Test Series. Have a good evening, everybody, and enjoy the cricket tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Join us after every day of this England versus India Test Series. We will see you again tomorrow. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.